Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome everyone to episode number 92 from Delving into Islam podcast. This is your host, Wa'il. And it is a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a privilege that I'm able to talk to you about the religion of Islam and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is allowing me to share my knowledge with you. Thank you so much for listening and participating and sending in all your questions and suggestions. Um, and speaking of which, if you have any questions or suggestions, please email me at delvingintoislam at gmail.com. Again, delvingintoislam at gmail.com, and I will get back to you as soon as possible, inshallah. Uh, now, this podcast is for anyone, whether you are remotely curious about the religion of Islam, or if you're thinking about becoming a Muslim, or if you just became a Muslim, you know, you're no convert, no revert, and, and, and basically you want to learn about Islam. Or if you've been a Muslim and just wants, you know, to learn more about Islam, this podcast, inshallah, is for you. Uh, now, with that being said, let's get right into today's topic. And today's topic, we, again, we will continue talking about destiny. And we will move to the second phase. We talked about the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and, and you know, how does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala know everything, uh, infinite knowledge. And, and we talk, gave examples of knowledge and all these things. And now comes the second phase of the whole destiny or predestination process, which is writing it down, the writing phase. So the writing phase is very interesting and it's very deep and it's a very complex because it's not as easy as knowledge. Knowledge, you can't even like, Allah knows everything we know that like we cannot even like argue with that the writing on the other hand has a lot of elements to it and we'll talk about that not alhamdulillah it will be very I'll make it very easy for you inshallah today because I think the writing is the phase that people maybe get confused about maybe the most so we'll talk about that inshallah now Allah mentions in the Quran the whole idea of writing so Allah said what in, in the tap, chapter of Hajj, verse number 70, Allah says, Alam ta'lam anna Allah ya'lamu ma fi samawati, or ma fi samai wal ardi. Inna thalika fi kitab, inna thalika ala Allah yaseer. Allah is saying to us in, in the Quran, don't you know that Allah knows everything? Literally everything in the heavens and the earth. Everything in existence, basically. Inna thalika fi kitab. This is all written by Allah in a book. This is something simple for Allah to do. It's nothing. Now, we know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the idea of knowledge, by the way. Knowledge, knowledge itself, the ability to gain knowledge, like we said before, comes from Allah. Comes from Allah. So Allah created knowledge. Allah himself is the source of knowledge. Now, Allah put his knowledge about us not of course not all of his knowledge because this is something we cannot handle like i said we only have a drop a drop of allah's knowledge that we're living with and we're you know doing this evolutionary you know life and upgrading and doing you know like you know we're, we're technologically trying to get more advanced and all this these things all this knowledge that we're using in this existence is a drop of allah's knowledge that he just gave us to live with so Allah put his knowledge regarding destiny in a book. Now, when I say destiny, I mean literally everything. Everything is like the book, the preserved tablet that we talked about before, has everything written in it. And everything that happens is destiny. If you think the, the, the combination of our actions plus the things that happen to us, it's technically everything that happens, right? There's nothing else that happens beyond that, 
right? Even when we interact with angels, interact with the jinn, it's all written. It's part of destiny. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wrote all of his knowledge about the future destiny past and everything in a book called the preserved tablet. Allah also tells us in the Quran in the chapter of Yasin, verse number 12. So Allah is telling us, I resurrected that. And I wrote what they did and what you know they were supposed to do because it's basically their choices. Allah knew it. Again, I don't want to stress this enough because I don't want people to be confused, but this is how it happens. And everything, I put everything about them, their destiny, everything in a book, which is the preserved tablet, like we said. Now, why is it called the preserved tablet? Let's, let's, let's tackle that first. It's number one, because it's preserved from all of the creation. No one has access to that book except for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No one, literally no one. Not a single creation. No angels, no jinn, no human beings, no one. Even the Prophet ﷺ, when he went up there, and we'll talk about that point in, in a second, when he went to the seventh heaven and he heard the pen writing, remember in the, in the night of Isra and Ma'raj, he couldn't see the book. He couldn't even see the pen. He just heard. Like he heard Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he did not see Allah, he only talked to Allah. Right? So, the preserved tablet is called the preserved tablet, Allah al-Mahfuz, because it's mahfuz from everyone. It's preserved from all of the creation. Only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has access to it. And also everything is preserved in it. Everything, like we said, destiny is preserved in it. Nothing, nothing happens in this existence that's not in this book, just to let you know. So that's why it's called the preserved tablet. Now, here's a very interesting hadith. Uh, by the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam A companion came to the Prophet And he asked him O Prophet of Allah What was the first thing that Allah created? Literally the first thing So the Prophet gave a very interesting And a profound answer And this, this the, I'll tell you why it's interesting So the Prophet said Allah created The first thing that Allah created Was the pen Something called the pen. Of course, it's a divine pen. It's the pen that only, you know, writes for Allah. It's just a pen that's not from this world. And then Allah said to the pen, write. So the pen, of course, asked Allah, because again, like I said, it's not a regular pen. Asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what, what should I write, O Allah? And Allah said, write everything in this existence. Then the Prophet ended the hadith with saying, and the throne of Allah was above water. Now, why is this hadith very interesting? Well, number one, the Prophet is saying the first thing that Allah created is the pen. But then he ended the hadith with saying, but Allah's throne was on water. Doesn't that mean that the throne and the water were created before the pen? Think about it. Allah, The Prophet said, Allah created the pen and his throne was above water. Yeah, that means the throne was created before. And the water that the throne is... Now, let me explain the water part. Allah's throne is on water. Like it's it's above water. It's But that water is not like any water we know of. It's not from this world. It's, again, something that's divine. Something that no one knows about. 
right? But we know there is water. We know that Allah's throne is actually on water. Is it floating? Is it like steady on what we know nothing about this? What we know is Allah's throne. Allah's throne is on water. We don't know what kind of water is that. Now here's a very interesting and a pathetic uh, thing about Satan. Satan has a throne. Of course, it's a knockoff throne. You can't even compare. Because Satan did not see the throne of Allah, but he knows that Allah has a throne. So he's trying to have a throne like Allah, astaghfirullah, and he can't even compare. He's, you know, he can't. It's ridiculous. But anyway, he has a throne. And he has it on water too, but it's again, it's a knockoff. It's regular water, right? And his throne is really like a, you know, a very a dollar store version of, you know, it's, it's nothing. But it's, it shows you that how pathetic is Satan. Like he wants to be worshipped. He's trying to look like God. But of course he can't even, you know, he can't. Like it's just impossible. Um, but yeah, it's just a very interesting story. But anyway, um, now what does that mean? How do we reconcile when the Prophet said that the first thing that was created was the pen, yet we have the throne and the water, they were already there. How do we reconcile? Here's the very interesting part, and this is what the scholars actually, almost all the scholars agreed on. When the Prophet said the pen was the first thing that was created, he meant the first thing that was created related to mankind. Because if you think about it, the throne and the, the, the water, they don't relate to us in any way. They don't affect us. But the pen does, because it writes our destiny. So when the Prophet ﷺ was talking about the first thing that was created, he was talking about the first thing that was created that's related to mankind, which is the pen. The pen was the first thing. But period, like if you're talking about in general, the throne was there, the water was there, but they're not, what are we going to do with them? This is the, these are things that belong to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They don't affect us. The pen does, right? They don't. There is no connection between us and those things. But the first thing that was created that we have a connection with is the pen. Now, the pen is considered to be, and now if you want to put out a list of like what was the like the order of the things that Allah created in terms of like chronological order, we'll say the water first, then the throne, the pen, then what, what would the pen write in? The preserved tablet. Number four. So these are four things that were created before existence. Number five is existence. Heavens, earth, angels, jinn, humans. Again, water, throne, pen, preserved tablet, then existence. And we know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we are the last thing that was created. Just to let you know. Humans were the last of the creation when it comes to existence. Even within existence, we were the last thing that was created because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, is basically created the angels first in terms of the intelligent species. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the angels first, then the jinn, then Adam, hence mankind. Now, how do we know this? Because there is no explicit text, but there is evidence from the text that we have. When Allah decided to create Adam in the chapter of Baqarah, the angels responded to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they said what? Are you going to create 
a species that will have the freedom of choice because angels don't, right? And they will start fighting one another. They're going to spill blood and they're going to corrupt earth. How did they know this? Angels don't see the future, by the way. They don't know the future. They don't know if why they don't know that if the humans would do that or not. But they had a live example of another species who also has the freedom of choice, which was the jinn. So the angels knew what the jinn were doing. They know. Hence, they formed their opinion about humans. Oh, the humans will be like the jinn. Also, another proof that the humans were created after the jinn was that when Adam was created, Allah commanded what? The angels and Satan to prostrate to Adam out of respect, not worship. We talked about this. Satan was already there, and we know that Satan is from the jinn. This is in the Quran explicitly. We know that, uh, you know, we, we disagree with our dear brothers and sisters in, in Christian, like the Christian brothers and sisters. In, 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 Satan was not an angel. He was not a fallen angel. Never was an angel. Angels do not disobey Allah. We talked about this. They, they can't. It's not, Allah didn't create them to be able to disobey Him. They're not machines. They have thoughts. Like I said, they did not like the idea that, you know, uh, Adam was being created, but then they understood. They are intelligent. Very intelligent species, but they do not disobey Allah. Because some people, and it was very, it's very funny. Some people, when you tell them, "Oh, angels, Allah created them," that they're unable to disobey Him, they think, "Oh, Allah created robots and called them angels." Astaghfirullah. No, <laughs> there's a big difference between having no opinion and working like a robot and doing. No, they don't disobey Allah. But they have their own opinions. They talk. They discuss things. They get upset at things. They get, you know, happy with things. Like they told Allah, why would you want to create Adam? In the first, like they literally question, and of course they're not questioning Allah in terms of like, but they're like asking, why would you do that? Robots don't do that, right? But when it comes to Allah asking them to do something, they always worship Allah with the most sincerity and they cannot disobey Allah. Satan, of course, he's a disbeliever. He disobeyed Allah. He's going to hellfire. That's not an angel. He is from the jinn because he has the freedom of choice to do whatever he wants. So when Satan was asked to prostrate, of course, he didn't. And Allah, you know, kicked him out of, uh, of, of Jannah, of paradise. But that's the biggest proof right there. That also Adam was created after the jinn because Satan was already there. Right? So again, back to our point that the things that were created were water, throne, the pen, the preserved tablet, then our, you know, existence. Now, there are levels of writing. So writing is not just a one-shot thing. Like it's, Allah doesn't write the whole like destiny. No, there are actually levels of, and there are like two main components. There are two main components. There is an eternal component. So eternal writing, eternal destiny, and non-eternal writing, a non-eternal destiny. So eternal, like, for example, things that will never change. Things that will never change. Okay? That's what, what's called eternal destiny or eternal writing. The number one, and one of the, I'll give you an example. When will be, you know, the day of judgment? When is the day of judgment? This is an eternal destiny. Because Allah won't change that date. Won't. Okay. How many messengers were sent and who are the messengers that were sent to, you know, mankind and prophets? That will never change. Those prophets were always meant to be sent to mankind. 
Now, what happens with the prophets in a daily on a daily basis? This could change. Now, what do you mean change? Well, I didn't tell you this because I was, you know, keeping it to the end of the episode. But I'll tell you now: there are some elements of destiny that actually could be changed. That's why I say eternal is is, is basically there's stuff that will never be modified and changed. But actually. And we'll talk about that very, 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 uh, very soon, inshallah, in this episode. But like, there are certain things about destiny that Allah could allow or could change Himself. And we'll talk about that. But I'm saying the eternal stuff cannot be touched. The creation of existence itself. When was it, you know, and all these things. And again, this is all eternal. Now, the non eternal are things that could change. And we'll talk about the editing part, but also there are minor stuff. They're like on a human level. These are the things that are non-eternal. Like, and, and, and I'll talk about that. Like, for example, how long are we going to live? You know, our, our, uh, our provision, our careers, who are we going to marry, our children. All these things are non-eternal writings or non-eternal destiny. So these things we could actually change with a specific you know, by doing a specific action, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Now, within the non-eternal, which is, again, like I said, the human level kind of destiny, there are few things. There are few things. There's actually a subcategory of writing in that too, which is, for example, number one, which is the top thing is the human lifetime. How long we're going to live, each and every individual. And there's something called annual writing. There's something called annual writing. And so what is the annual writing? The annual writing is basically the night of Qadr, Laylatul Qadr, that we know. It's, it happens in, in the last 10 odd nights of Ramadan. We talked, we had actually a full uh, conversation about that uh, uh, when we talked about Ramadan and what is Ramadan. But when you make dua on such night, you could actually change your life for the next year. What's called annual writing. Now, that's why I said the writing could get a little, because it's more academic now, and there's a lot of categories, so this going to get, so I want you to follow with me here. Inshallah, it will be easy. So Allah, there is constant writing. This is eternal writing, that writing that was written 50,000 years before our, the existence, that's called eternal about specific things. Uh, day of judgment, who are the messengers, um, the creation of the heavens and earth, how it's going to happen, that's it. These are eternal stuff, won't change. Now, when it comes to the human level, there are things that could change. Now, what do you mean by change? Let's talk about that. I won't leave it until the end. I'll talk about it now so you guys don't get confused. Between, now remember we had the second phase that we're in right now is the writing of destiny. The third phase is the will of Allah. We'll talk about that in the next episode, inshallah. But for now, we're talking about what? The writing. So between the writing and the will of Allah, between stage two or phase two and phase three, which is the will of Allah, there is actually a sub-phase called the editing. Before the, because once Allah wills something, you cannot edit it. Think about that. Once you will, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wills something, it won't be edited. So the editing comes before Allah's will and comes after the writing because you edit only something that's been written, right? You don't edit something that wasn't been written. So it's literally between these two phases. Allah could edit 
your destiny. Again, like I said, on a human level, Allah does not edit anything else. How? By making dua. There is a one significant way of editing your own destiny, which is to make dua, supplication to Allah, to pray to Allah for something specific. Now, let me explain. And I'll give you examples. The Prophet ﷺ tells us in, in many hadith that the dua is the only thing that changes our qadr, our destiny, our predestination. Dua is the only thing. Now, there is one more extra thing that changes but doesn't change. Okay, so when you make a dua, you could change anything depending on your dua, right? But there is one thing that actually could change your lifetime, how long you live. But that's it. Like it only could change your lifetime, which is being good to your kinship, like to your to your kin, to your family. Basically observing kinship. When you're good to your kin, when you're good to your family members, when you're being, you know, a true believer with them, when you're helping them out mentally, physically, financially, everything, Allah could actually extend your lifetime. This is an authentic hadith. So, my dear brothers and sisters, please be good to your family. When you go, and, and we're not talking about immediate family only, by the way. That's actually more importantly extended family. Those who don't, who are not good with you, when you try to reach out, which is called uh, salatul rahim, observing kinship. When you keep a, re- a good relationship with people who are not, you know, that close to you in the first place, that's observing kinship. It's more difficult than just being, uh, you know, good to your immediate family. When you do that, Allah extends your lifetime. But that's about it. Like that's 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 all you get was extending your lifetime. Now, dua on the other hand, oh, you could do anything with dua. You could change anything, not just your lifetime. So, for example, staying on the lifetime aspect. Let's say you're supposed to die when you're 65. Then your mother is a very righteous woman. She's very close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. She keeps making, making dua that you live longer. She doesn't know when you're going to die. No one knows, right? But she keeps saying, oh Allah, give him you know, extra life. Extend his life. Let him be good to people. Extend his life. Allah, because she's righteous and she's closest to him and she is sincere about her dua, Allah could very much accept her dua and changes your destiny from dying at 65 to maybe dying at 70. That could that could happen. This is mentioned in authentic hadith. Here's how the Prophet described it, which is very crazy profound, incredible, subhanAllah, beautiful. The Prophet said, the dua and the destiny keep fighting one another until the day of judgment. Another hadith, the dua and destiny keep fighting one another between the heavens and the earth. Why would he say that? Well, if you think about it, destiny comes from where? From the heavens, from Allah, right? It comes from that tree of life. Remember, we talked about that tree of life in the episode, uh, uh, in the last season, in the episode of Isra and Ma'raj. The tree of life, this is where your destiny comes down from to be fulfilled. Then let's say you're making a dua that contradicts that destiny. For example, you were supposed to get into a car accident, God forbid. You're supposed to get into a car accident. And that day, you're again, you're close to Allah. There are conditions. Like you have to be eligible to make a dua that Allah would accept, right? Close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, being sincere and all these things. You made the dua, oh Allah, protect me on that day. Oh Allah, protect me. 
Then your dua went up. That's because that's where dua goes. It goes to the tree. Remember, the tree is the source and the destination of everything. It's like a loop. We we mentioned this when we talked about the tree of life. If you guys, you know, don't remember, please go back to it. But basically, the tree of life, Sidratul Muntaha, that's the name of it. Sidratul Muntaha is basically the tree that everything Allah gives, his, his decree comes down from that tree. And everything, dua and everything and souls, when they leave our bodies, they go to that tree. Right? So your dua is going up. And your destiny that's contradicting your da'a is going down. Now, depending on if Allah will accept your da'a, how righteous you are, and if it's going to be good for you or not, there's a lot of factors, by the way, that would make Allah accept or not accept your da'a. Number one is, are you a good person? Are you even worthy of making da'a? Are you illegible? And you don't have to be you know, a scholar or like a very deep... Just be a good person. Try to be a good, Try your best. Try to get close to Allah. It's not that difficult. So you're making that da'a, and then... Another factor is if it's gonna because you might make a dua for something that's not good for you. Remember, we mentioned this last time. You might think you know something, you might think that something is good for you when it's actually not. So all these factors, if it's something good for you, if you are eligible to make the dua, the dua goes up, and then the the the, the destiny of you getting into a car accident is going down. Now we're saying, please, oh Allah, protect me from any harm on that day. And you're supposed to have a car accident. They both meet in the middle between the heavens and the earth. That's what the hadith means. They fight between the heavens and the earth. That's what the Prophet said. And they literally fight. Now in a way we cannot understand. And Allah decides who, which wins the fight. If you're good, if it's good for you, Allah makes the dua, wins the fight and it goes up. And once it goes up, it switches your destiny. It literally edits. It modifies your destiny from getting into a car accident to not getting into a car accident. And this editing, this modified part is also written. Here's the thing. You you could come to me at me and say, well, you said everything is mentioned in, in the preserved tablet. Does that mean that this modification happens and it's not mentioned? No, it's also mentioned. It's destined for you. Allah knows in advance that you're going to make this dua. Again, knows in advance. Does not make you. Allah knows in advance that you're so righteous, you're so good, you're going to make this dua, and this dua will change your destiny. So Allah knew in advance, and this is written in a second layer in the preserved tablet. Just for, for, you know, just for understanding or to make it easier, let's call it the editing page. Page V2, version number two in, the, in, in, in that book. Where in version number two, the modified destiny is also written. So you're not doing anything that's not written. Like I said before, everything that happens in existence is written, including the editing of destiny. You guys are following me. I hope inshallah you're following me here. It's very simple. You made a dua. That dua was contradicting uh, something that was supposed to happen to you. Allah accepted your dua, that means Allah is editing, edited your or modified your destiny and made made you a new destiny that basically is taking place right now. Hence, you're not getting a car accident, right? Now, that editing, that modified version is also written that you will make that dua. It's also written because Allah knows everything in advance, right? Is also written in a preserved tablet in a different layer. Like in, in, let's say, like I said, the, the modification, the editing page that's also written in it. So 
This is if your dua wins. But let's say you're not righteous enough to make such a dua. You're not a good person. Or whatever the dua you're making is not good. There's a wisdom of you getting into a car accident that something good will happen to you in the future. So there's a wisdom that you don't understand. That means Allah will make the destiny win the destiny will win the fight between destiny and you know the dua and the destiny will keep going down and it will be fulfilled sometimes we make dua for something bad not to happen to us but something bad still happens to us right not every time we make a dua it will be fulfilled either because we're not close enough to allah or there is a wisdom behind it that allah made the destiny win over the dua it's that simple uh, you know, and and again, the dua doesn't. You you can make dua for other people, and that could change their destiny in a good way. It has to be something good, of course. Or you can make dua for yourself, and you could change your own uh, destiny. It's again, the editing phase. Like, just all you need to know is that editing does happen, but it has to be on a human level, right? Right, and. When it happens, it's also written. That's why we know that Allah knows everything. Allah knows everything, and He wrote everything in a preserved tablet, including your editing, including your editing to you know to that destiny. So the Prophet tells us, like you know, the the strongest. That's why, my dear brothers and sisters, please keep on making dua. It's very powerful. You have no idea how powerful dua is. It's very powerful. Very. It changes destiny. It changes destiny. At least it changes a one version of your destiny because the other version will have that change. Again, I don't want to confuse you, but that's... It's just, I, I, I don't think it's hard. I think it's really, you know, it's very simple and, 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 and you know, like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Prophet explains it to us very well, right? I don't think it's very difficult to understand. Your destiny could be changed and even that change is written in a different layer of destiny. Hence, it's all written. All written, including your changes. Now, you don't know what will happen to you. Like, for example, the person who was supposed to get into in, in, in a car accident didn't know that he was supposed to get or she was supposed to get into a car accident, right? They made the dua anyway. That's what I mean by even if you don't know your destiny, which you will never know your destiny, still strive and try to get the best. And that's including dua. Make dua to Allah all the time to have a better life. Because you don't know if you're going to be miserable. Even if you think you're good now, something bad might happen to you. So to prevent it, always seek Allah's protection and seek even more stuff, happiness and stuff from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala using the most powerful tool Allah gave us, which is dua. Preferably when you're praying. Because, you know, it shows like, you know, if you want to ask uh, your boss uh, for an extra uh, or, or a raise, right? You go and you do extra work, right? You're gonna be like, so you 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 feel confident when you're asking him for a raise or her, right? You you feel confident because you did a lot of work, and and of course I'm not comparing a lot to your boss, Allah, but I'm just saying, giving you a humanly example, as you know, as as always, you want to ask Allah for something, pray at least the five times a day, and when you're praying, ask Allah for what you want. By the way, this is mentioned by the Prophet, the best type of making dua the best way of making dua is literally when you are prostrating when your forehead is touching the floor during uh your praying it's simple the prophet tells us this in hadith so it's not just me uh you know speculating this is actually the best way of making dua so again dua is very powerful it changes destiny 
Like, for example, I'll give you another example. I know I just I just want because I know destiny could be complicated and, and my, maybe many of you don't think that it's complicated, but you'll be surprised on how people don't get destiny. So I just want to make it clear one last time and I'm going to give you, inshallah, maybe a more simple example. Let's say that you're supposed to marry person A, for example, someone. It's written in your destiny. Remember, after 100, like we said, after 120 days, when you're born, I mean, when you're a fetus, an angel comes, blows the soul by command of Allah and writes the four things, your lifetime, uh, are you gonna, your provision, are you going to be happy or, or, or miserable or, uh, you know, and your deeds, whether they're good or bad, these four things are written. Because you're gonna do them, and you're gonna, you know, beside the lifetime, the lifetime is something that you cannot control. Even if you commit suicide, it was meant to be, but committing suicide, we know it's a major, major sin. It doesn't take you out of the fold of Islam, because this is a very um, common thing. People say once you die as a, you commit suicide, you die as a disbeliever. That's not true. But you're dying upon a major sin. You really don't want to do that. So anyway, um, now when when these four things are written. From those things is who are you going to marry, right? It's already has been determined because of your efforts, your choices, and the stuff that... Because think about it. You could see someone, whether, again, again you're, you're, you're a guy or a girl or, you know, you could see someone and you like him. And, okay, you want to go about it the right way. You want to go propose and, 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 you know, ask for their hand and all these things. That doesn't mean you got to automatically marry them, Right. That's a best, actually the best example of destiny right here. That it's a combination of your efforts, your choices. You choose someone and you want to marry them. You're, you're doing the effort to marry them, but they might say no. Their parents might say no. The situation might not work out. That's up to Allah. You leave your trust and whatever the results up to Allah. This is the perfect example of destiny. Combination between your actions, your choices, your efforts, and things that are happening. The results you cannot control. The results, like a, like a job interview, the results you cannot control. You can do your best to have better chances of, you know, getting what you want, but that doesn't mean you can fully control, right? So let's say you were supposed to marry, it's written for you to marry person A. Then you met person B, someone completely different, and you really wanted to marry them. You don't know about A yet because it's written in your destiny, but you don't know. Then you started making dua to Allah. Oh Allah, I want to marry person B. Oh Allah, please make me marry person B. Now, if you're close to Allah, if you're righteous, that's number one. And if person B is going to be good for you, because you might want to marry someone really badly and they're really evil or you don't know that they're evil, but they're really bad for you. It, they don't have to be evil they're just really bad for you it's never going to work out and you're going to live a miserable life uh you know you're going to have kids with them and it's going to be a miserable like they're going to have bad father or mother depending on who you choose you know it it just could be really bad and we don't know the future that's why my dear brother and sister i cannot stress this enough we do not have the ability to know the future so what can we do in our choices Make the right choice. The logical one, Islam tells you, use your brain, use your intellect to make your choices, but also ask for Allah's help and guidance. Because you could see someone on the outside, beautiful spouse, wonderful looking spouse, very great career, very great everything. You know, they look good on paper, like people say. On paper, perfect spouse. Then you marry them. 
And oh boy, it just becomes hell on earth. So how would we know something like this? Asking Allah's guide. Pray istikhara. Istikhara is basically to ask Allah's guidance in something that you are about to get involved in. Do your best. Use your brain and ask for Allah's guidance and help to show you the right path and to make you know help you making the right choices. That's how we live in this life. That's how we make choices. So again, let's. I don't want to you know again go away from the story or from the example. So you really want to marry person B. You don't know if they're good for you or not. Then Allah makes, and you ask Allah, Oh Allah, if they're good for me, make them my spouse. If they're not, get them away from me. Then if they're really going to be good for you, Allah changes your destiny. Allah accepts your dua and switches person A with person B. And that's editing. And in a different layer, in a different page, Person B was actually written for you that it will replace person A, which was your original destiny. Like, let's say, let's call it version two of your destiny. Version one, the original version was person A. You're going to marry person A. You made the, 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 the dua, Allah accepted your dua and edited your destiny. Then it goes to version, uh, version B or version two. That's the original version, person A. Version two is person B. Now, if the person was not good for you, and Allah knew that, Allah will keep the destiny. Again, du'a fighting destiny. Here's an example. Your du'a is fighting your destiny. If it's if you're not a good person and if you don't deserve person B, and, and Allah doesn't want to give you person B for any reason, your destiny will win. If you're a good person and Allah doesn't want to harm you with person B because they're not good for you, your destiny will win. But otherwise, your, dest- your uh, du'a always uh, will win. So that's, I hope this example makes it a little bit, again, easier for those who don't get it. So yeah, let's move on from this point now. Uh, So we have, now we mentioned the editing part. Now let's talk about the annual writing. What is, let's go back to the levels of writing now. So the annual writing is basically happens annually. And what I mean by that is that Qadr, your destiny could be changed on an annual basis. When do we do that? On the night of Qadr. Allah tells us, on the night of Qadr, when you make dua, you pray to Allah. You have to pray the tarawih, you know? After after you uh, do iftar, after you pray maghrib and all these things, you do tarawih. And you pray, pray, stand, qiyam al-layl, in the night of Qadr, and you ask Allah. And when you ask Allah, again, we don't know our destiny, but Allah could change the destiny for us on that night for the rest of the year because we could get that you know again Allah changes it on an annual basis we can get on that train of like changing our destiny annually have a better life for the you know have a, so anything better during that night so that night could be a portal what I'm trying to say is could be a portal for us to change something good um, for the better now there's something called daily writing so we have the annual writing. Now we have the daily writing. The daily writing is basically like the daily provision. On every single day, there's something has been written, which is the daily writing, the daily provision. The daily interactions at work, you know, even provision for animals, by the way, birds. 
You know, when they go out, they fly out and they start eating, you know, bringing food. They don't know where they're going, right? They don't know. Literally don't know. They don't have a stable job. They don't have a, a, a source of food. They just go there and Allah provides for them. Every single day, there are certain things, minor things that Allah writes uh, upon you, things that will happen to you during that day. That's why, and this happens, by the way, after Fajr prayer. Right after Fajr prayer, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala writes your daily certain things. So that's why we should pray Fajr. And as soon as we're done with praying Fajr, we make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to have a better destiny. Something better happens to us. You get it? So there is a grand, again, I want to repeat this part, the, 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 the levels. There's a grand writing, which is the eternal writing. 50,000 years before the creation of existence. And there is, again, within that grand writing, our lives, everything that happens to us, our choices, there are things that are written to us or for us in the preserved tablets still on an annual basis. Like, for example, in the night of Qadr, going back to the night of Qadr, the names of the people who will die and born until next year. This is what I mean by annual writing. The names of people who will perform Hajj, for example, until next year. These annual things that happen are written could be changed. Your name could be added to it or taken away from it, depending on, you know, what you do on the night of Qadr. Now, like I said, the, the, the daily writing, you know, the, the, the chapter of Rahman. Allah saying every day, this is in the Quran, I could change your destiny. Allah could forgive your sins, right? Because if you don't ask for forgiveness, what happens? If you commit a sin on a day and you go throughout the day without asking for forgiveness, that sin is written. That's it, done. But if you ask Allah, you repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and ask for forgiveness, guess what? Sins are being forgiven. That's changing destiny. Something is written that you did and Allah takes it away. Forgives you for it. You know, Allah gives, you know, again, on a daily basis, a lot happens. Allah gives power to someone, takes power from someone. Dominion, you know, curing the sick. These are all daily destiny or writings that take place. Also, they always, again, I don't want you to confuse between the things that are happening. This is called fulfillment of things that are already written. The things that the, the, everything is has been written fifty thousand years, everything. But Allah takes from the preserved tablet those daily things and could change it. That's my point. That's what it's called the daily writing. People could change their own destiny on a daily basis or on an annual basis. The grand thing is all. I don't want you to confuse what I'm saying with that. Allah keeps on. Still writing things that are not in the preserved tablet. No, 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 no. It's the opposite. Allah takes from the preserved tablet and edits. Allah doesn't add to the... Everything is already added. And those edits are also mentioned in the preserved tablet. Just to, again, in case you got confused a little bit about this part. So if you look at the preserved tablet, there is eternal. Now we're talking about all the categories at once now. Eternal. Lifespan, this is our uh, regarding human beings, annual and daily. Again, 
the writings in the preserve from the preserved tablet. That's how the preserved tablet is categorized. Eternal writing, lifespan writing, annual writing, and daily writing of destiny. I hope that's clear. The categories only, the eternal is untouched. The eternal is untouched. You cannot touch the eternal. It, you cannot change it. Lifespan can be edited. Annual, Allah edits it on the night of Qadr. Something major, something big. And on a daily basis, Allah could change. Like I said, you can make a dua to not get hit by a car or to be saved. And you're supposed to get hit by a car. Allah changes that. That's why, hear me out. That's why the Prophet he heard when he went to the night of Isra Maraj, he heard the pen was still writing. Because if everything was written 50,000 years, what happens? Those daily changes happen. They are already written in the preserved tablet, but now it's like, okay, now it's the version two. So that's basically, you know, talking about the writings and the types of writings. I hope it wasn't as complicated as some people think it is. But um, I want to. Uh, I want to tell you something very interesting. This is a very interesting story about Prophet Adam, peace be upon him. When Adam was first created, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala pulled or extracted, he, he wiped on his back, Adam's back, and extracted from his back the souls of all of mankind. The souls of all of mankind. Now, this story is to tell you why Allah wrote down everything and how forgetful we are as a human race. So he extracted all the souls from Adam's body. And Allah asked the souls, who is your Lord? Am I your Lord? And when I say all the souls, I'm talking about us, me and you, and everybody who died and everybody who's still going to be born, all the souls in existence. So we responded, our souls responded, oh Allah, you are our only Lord. You are the only one worthy of worship. We responded. Do you guys remember this conversation? No, we don't. I mean, technically it didn't happen with us physically. It happened with our souls. But do you have any memory of it? No, right? Why? Because we're forgetful. Our souls even. By the way, souls are eternal. Souls don't die. We die. Just a little bit of a trivia, uh, you know, uh, information. Our bodies die. Our souls never die. Once Allah created them, they don't die. Even when we die, our souls go back to Allah. They don't die. When we are resurrected, our, our, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts our souls back into our new bodies. Souls never die. So souls have been there since the creation of souls, which is you know the creation of Adam. So we had this conversation with Allah. Our souls did. We just don't remember it. Why? Because we're forgetful. We're forgetful. Now, let me continue the story. Then Adam sees the souls. Now we respond to Allah and we say, Oh Allah, you are the only Lord. Okay. Then Adam sees the souls and basically the souls were like, like, like illuminating dots in front of him. Then he sees a very bright light among the souls and he asks Allah, Oh Allah, who, who is that? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, This is the prophet of Allah, Dawood, David. You know David and Goliath? We believe in David and Goliath, by the way. So, uh, not the same story, but like, alhamdulillah, we have the better version of it in the Quran. We'll talk about that maybe later. But David, Prophet David is the prophet, actually, Prophet Dawood is the father of Prophet Sulaiman, Solomon, right? If you guys didn't know that, David is the father of Solomon. So, um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala looks and tells him, this is a, a very righteous prophet. He will come 
Look at this, at the end of time. Let's pause here for a second. Allah is calling Prophet Dawood, Prophet David, that he will come at the end of time. <laughs> that was thousands of years ago. We are literally right there. Just to let you know. May Allah have mercy on us. We are literally right there at the end of time, for, for sure. If Prophet Dawood was going to come at the end of time, I think we're right there. We're really close to the day of judgment, my dear brothers and sisters. Just be aware. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, make it easy on us. But like if Prophet Dawood is there, he literally, Allah called, like describes him as, he comes at the end of time. And that was thousands of years ago. Again, just to put it in perspective. But anyway. So, Prophet Adam sees that he was illuminating and he's righteous. And so, he says, Oh Allah, give 40 years of my life to him. I want to donate 40 years of my life to extend his life, you know, by 40 years. So Allah said, okay. Then Adam, you know, the whole apple and thing he ate from the tree. Well, actually, we don't know if it's an apple or not. He just ate from the tree. It was fruit from the tree, but we don't know exactly what kind of fruit, right? Um, so he ate from the tree. Allah forgave him, went on earth with Eve and his children, and then after 960 years, Adam was supposed to live a thousand years. And he was told that by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He was supposed to live a thousand years. So after 960 years, you know, 40 years left to his death, Allah sends him the angel of death. Now, it's a custom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to send the angel of death to prophets and messengers to ask him, hey, do you want to live more? Only prophets and messengers, by the way. Do you want to live more or are you ready to meet Allah? And by all of them said, we want to meet Allah. None of them said, I want to just let me stay. Right? And he went to Prophet Adam, peace be upon him. And he asked him, hey, it's time. Your time uh, is up. So Prophet Adam goes, no, it's not. I still have 40 years. What are you talking about? I'm only 960. Allah promised me a thousand years. I, I, I think you made a mistake. Then the angel of death tells him, listen, you made you asked Allah to take 40 years of your life and give it to... This is actually an authentic story, beautiful story. And the Prophet actually is narrated by the Prophet himself. Uh, so you asked Allah to give 40 years of your life to Prophet Dawood. Um... Uh, now you are 960 years, so it's about time. Basically, the 40 years left, you already gave it up to Prophet Dawood. So Prophet Adam said, what do you mean? No, I don't remember this. Then again, he reminded him, and then Adam eventually remembered. But he's the commenter. And then when Adam remembered, of course, he said, oh, of course, yeah. Uh, I'm ready to meet Allah now. I understand and I remember. And he died. That's how he died. But look at the Prophet now. After the Prophet told us the story, he comments on it and he said, What? Nasiya Adam Fanasiya Duriyatu. The Prophet said, even Adam forgot his deal with Allah. Because he lived for not imagine, he lived for 960 years. He forgot that deal. Like my dear brothers and sisters, if if you know, sometimes you forget something that we did last week. Let's say a significant deal with Allah. It takes a couple of hundred years for us to forget. He forgot. Adam forgot. He's a human being. It's actually a live example 
of it's not a live example, but it's 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 a, it's a true example, a classic example of our forgetfulness it comes from Adam himself. It's a human nature to forget. So the Prophet say, Nasiya Adam Adam forgot his deal with Allah, so did his progeny, talking about us and himself, of course. How? Remember our promise to Allah, O oh Allah, you are the only one worthy of worship? That deal we had with Allah? Do you guys remember it? We don't, because it's been for thousands of years, right? Our souls forgot that deal. That's why Allah kept sending messengers and prophets to remind us of that deal. It's a full circle now. For those of you who ask, why did Allah send messengers? Not just to call him. We made that deal. It's in the Quran. We told Allah, all the souls of, in this existence, all of it, all of us, told Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you are our only Lord. We will, we will worship no one but you. But our souls forgot because it's been thousands of years. Like Adam forgot his deal with Allah about the 40 years. So Allah, out of his mercy, and he knows us. He knows we forgot. He kept sending messengers to remind us of that deal. We're going to worship you, O Allah. We acknowledge that you are the one. Now, some souls, and that's why, and this is, wallahi, really profound. That's why a lot of people feel, I'm talking about non-Muslims, who get introduced and exposed to Islam in the right way, they feel it's a familiar, they feel comfortable. Their souls feel better. I have a lot of people who contacted me. Some of you, actually, some listeners of you, uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep you know, all of us on a straight path. But like, they, they, they contacted me and they said, it feels so good becoming a Muslim. Islam changed my life and I feel good. It feels home. I feel home with Islam. Do you know why? Because your soul indirectly remembered that deal with Allah. Such a profound thing, Wallahi. Your soul made that deal and it forgot. And when you have a reminder, Prophet Muhammad Wasallam, you know, Prophet Moses, that's why Allah sent all those prophets, Prophet Isa, Jesus Christ, calling people to worship Allah only and reminding our souls with the deal we made. You know, when you listen about Islam from this podcast or from any other, you know, person or a scholar or someone with knowledge or you read a book or you watch a youtube video whatever and it connects with you that means your soul started to remember some souls completely forgot and they're not willing to remember because they're too comfortable in their skin you know right now they're too comfortable in what they're doing they're too comfortable in not you know doing all the, the rituals and, and showing Allah the proper, you know, respect and honor. They just don't, they, they don't want to live, quote-unquote, freely. Some souls don't want to remember. Allah knows that too. Not everyone will be saved. Not everyone will have their soul remember their origin or the original deal they made with Allah. Only, I don't want to call it the lucky because in Islam we don't believe in luck. Only the blessed ones, the ones who have good hearts, the one who actually try to, to convince their souls that this is the right way. That struggle, we call it the eternal struggle. That's what we're striving to do. So it's such a beautiful story. And it shows that Adam himself forgot. So did we. But there's always reminders, you know, for those who uh, forgot. 
Now, uh, I'm going to end this, uh, you know, this episode with this beautiful verse from the chapter of Hadid, verse number 23. And I love this chapter so much. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us in this one verse the solution or the key to happiness. Then when something bad happens to us, when we, you know, face hardship, when we face a calamity, how to calm down and be collected and feel happy and content. Beautiful verse. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, مَا أَصَابَ مِن مُصِيبَةٍ فِي الْأَرْضِ وَلَا فِي أَنفُسِكُمْ إِلَّا فِي كِتَابٍ مِنْ قَبْلِ أَنَّ بْرَأَهَا إِنَّ ذَلِكَ عَلَى اللَّهِ يَسِيرٌ Allah is saying in verse number 22, so we're talking about verse number 22 first, then we're going to go to 23. Allah is saying, not a single calamity that befalls you or hits you or hits earth in general, any even a natural disaster. Unless it's written, Allah mentions the writing here, written in a book, the preserved tablet. Now that verse makes a lot of sense for those of you who know about the verse but didn't know you know specifics is written it is that calamity that disaster whatever it's been written in a book before it is fulfilled rest assured of that this is not something that just came on the spot or you know Allah came up with it on no it's been written 50,000 years now Allah is telling us this why. He explains why in the next verse. لِكَيْ لَا تَأْسَوْ عَلَى مَا فَاتَكُمْ وَلَا تَفْرَحُ بِمَا أَتَاكُمْ وَاللَّهُ لَا يُحُبُّ كُلَّ مُخْتَالٍ فَخُورٍ Allah is basically in verse number 23, again the chapter of Hadith, the chapter of the iron, tells us, I'm telling you this so you do not regret the past. Remember the what ifs? Don't think about it. لِكَيْ لَا تَأْسَوْ عَلَى مَا فَاتَكُمْ Do not regret the past. Do not regret anything bad that happened to you. And don't get too happy and too, you know, self more like to be self very, very confident, overconfident with good things that are happening to you because they're also meant to happen to you. They're also written in the book that Allah wrote everything in. So don't think you're too, don't get too proud of what you have. Don't get overconfident. Oh, this happened because I'm good. Nope. It happened because Allah wrote it for you to happen. This is if something good. And if something bad, something bad happened. And do not regret what happened. Just keep moving forward. So Allah tells us literally the, 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 the secret of happiness in this verse. Allah wrote everything. Whether it's good or bad, Allah wrote it. It happens to you. And it's based on your own choices, but it's been written. It's your choices. But also there are things that will happen to you that are out of your control. And those are the things that hurt us the most if they're bad. And make us happy the most if they're good. The things that are out of our control, the things that happen to us, right? Because they are the maybe the unexpected things. Now, Allah is telling us how to live a happy life. When bad things happen, remember, oh, it's always meant to be. Like Adam told Musa. And if good things happen, say, it was always meant to be and be humble about it. And know that it came from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah tells us two things to just recap this verse. Everything is written, whether it's good or bad. If it's good, don't be arrogant. You know, just say Alhamdulillah, thanks to Allah, this was meant to happen. And if it's bad, don't be regretful. Don't, you know, get into like, you know, depression or whatever. Just say it was meant to be Qadr Allah Mashafal. Allah willed it and it happened and inshallah we'll do better in the future. So like I said, everything that Allah tells us about uh, destiny is meant to make our lives easier and better. We're not supposed to take destiny as a, a science. 
or a case study, we're supposed to take from it what Allah told us to live a happy and a content life. That's what we'll, we'll benefit from it. That's what everybody should benefit from, you know, anything that Allah tells them, right? So with that being said, alhamdulillah, we finished the writing part. Inshallah, next uh, episode, we'll talk about Allah's will. And there's a lot to talk about that, inshallah, which is the next you know, phase in the whole destiny process. Thank you so much for listening. Wassalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh.